Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you made it out and you're logging in right now, especially if you're logging in for the very first time. Maybe you're a guest with us watching for the very first time. We are honored that you're watching with us today. I always invite our guests to try us out at least three times, and you can do that over the next several weeks, and we just hope to uh, have you back and be a part of what we call our spiritual family. Also, since you're watching online, and maybe a lot of you might be watching on a social media device. We'd love for you to share this message right now. Just press that share button. And this weekend, what we're doing specifically for that is for every share, every like, every comment, and every subscription on YouTube, what we're doing is we're donating $1 for every one of those. So my encouragement to you right now is to go ahead and comment it up, like it up, do everything you can, share it everywhere, because we would love to give the most donations we could to Thrive Outreach. It's one of our local missions partners this weekend on Easter. Well, today on Easter weekend, we are wrapping up a series that we've been doing over the last several weeks called Heroic Faith. We've been looking at Jesus's final moments in the garden, in the garden of Gethsemane, where he was pressed, where he was having a stressful time. And in week one, we talked about how we need collective faith, that there's going to be a time where we come up to where you might not get through it all by yourself, but you and I are going to need to get through it with someone else. We call it borrowing someone else's faith for a season. The second week, we talked about submitted faith, the idea that we want to come to God and do everything we can to not just ask God for what we want. We want to ask God, God, here's what we think, here's what we would like, but ultimately, at the end of the day, we're submitted to you. And the third week, last weekend, we talked about unshakable faith, that there's a lot of shaky times right now. There's storms, trials, issues, and we need unshakable faith to get us to our miracle moment. And today, we're going to wrap up the series on Easter weekend, and we're going to call it Healing Faith. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 26. And if you haven't checked out any of the series, I highly encourage you to go to our YouTube channel or go to our website at risechurchtx.com. You can get context of where we're at. But Matthew chapter 26, again, we're in the final moments of Jesus as a free man. We pick it up in verse Verse 47, what's already happened is Jesus has been praying. He just had a moment with his disciples asking them to stand and pray with them. They fell asleep. He had a moment of shakiness, a moment of trial, like, come on, guys, be with me. And it picks up in verse 47, and we're going to show it to you right here. And it says, while he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. And it goes on in verse 48. It says, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Verse 49 says, and when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? They start to feel and realize that Jesus was about to be arrested. And, and in verse 50, it says, and one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And this is a moment where things change. Things are adjusted. Things are, are different. And it kind of gets to the end where it gets to this moment where Jesus stops everything in the middle of all the commotion, in the middle of the violence. He says this, he says, Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. This final act of miracle, this final moment that Jesus has in the garden as right before he's about to go and have his Easter moment, why we celebrate today. So with that as our backdrop as a scripture, will you pray with me? Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you that all around the world we're tuning in and hearing about the good news, the good gospel news of Jesus Christ. I pray that today, Lord, no matter where we are, no matter what our life looks like, no matter what our situation looks like, God, you are in charge. You are uh, uh, King Jesus, and you are, are in control of our situation. And although I've prepared notes, God, I know you've prepared a great message for all of us. I pray that you would speak to us, help our hearts to be open and our minds to be clear. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 
I know that um, for the last three weeks we've been talking about you know, Jesus having these moments inside of the garden. And these garden moments matter. I was reading the other day about this idea of causality, which really is, is that what happens now affects what happens later. And for so much of us right now, we are in our garden moment. You know, you could be in a trial right now. The pandemic has caused so many things to be different in our life, right? We, we could be in a trial right now, whether it's in your job, whether it's in your relationships, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's in your finances, maybe it's in with your kids. Maybe it could be that you're in a garden moment with tension with just being in your neighborhood. Whatever it could be, we're all there. And my encouragement to you and what Jesus shows us is that we all want our Sunday moment. We all want our miracle. We're praying and asking God to deliver us in some way. But we're overlooking the moment that's happening on Thursday in our garden moments. And what Jesus encourages us to, and really shares with us what we've been learning in the last few weeks is garden moments matter. I was doing a puzzle with my son and with my family this weekend. And we had this moment where we got to the puzzle. And puzzles are great uh, examples of this idea of causality. Because if you don't do it the right way, it doesn't set you up to complete the puzzle. What you do now determines what you do later. And I remember we got the, the outside of this puzzle. We were trying to figure out these, and it just wouldn't figure out. We couldn't complete it. We couldn't get to where we see the picture because we didn't have the right puzzle piece in the right, we thought it was in the right spot and it just wasn't there. And Riley kept telling me, my son, I said, Dad, we got to move this piece. I'm like, no, it goes there. And I know it goes there. You got to trust me, son. And he's like, no, Dad, I'm telling you, if we just move this piece. And a couple days go by, we couldn't figure it out. And I said, Riley, tell me where that piece was. And he goes over and he pulls the piece out that he thought was wrong. He put a new piece in. And once he did that, it allowed us to complete the puzzle. That's our life right now, that we, we want the finished product and we overlook what we're doing right now because we're just looking for the finished product. But if we do right now, if we do the right things right now, we'll have the right things later on. We, we have to understand that our garden moments matter. What you do and what you're going through, and how you respond to it right now in faith, it matters. And so since that's the case, I want to give you the final fourth type of faith that Jesus had in his garden moment that maybe we could model after. He shows us what we should be doing in these moments. He shows us how we need to respond to these moments. And the final one that I'm going to show you, this is the fourth type of faith that Jesus had in the garden that led him to his miracle. I like this. It, it kind of put him, it determines what he got. I like what one pastor said, that Jesus settled Sunday on Thursday is what he did in the garden that helped him get to his Sunday miracle moment. The fourth Faith, he, uh, uh, miracle, heroic type faith that we need to have modeled after our Savior Jesus is this idea of called healing faith. Healing faith. That, that there's this idea that Jesus shows us, even in his most stressful, storm-filled moments, he healed someone. Go back, let's read it real quick. Matthew chapter 26, verse 51. And it says this, it's a fascinating scripture. It says, no more of this, and he touched his ear and he healed him. He goes countercultural, really, is what Jesus does. Jesus does something unique. He, 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 he goes against the idea in the world that in order for you to heal someone, in order for you to help someone, you have to be okay. I like what that word healed there means. The word healed there in the Greek is unique. I want to show it to you what it means. It, it, it's, it's pronounced ia omei, ia omei, and it means to make 
whole. That in a Jesus' stressful moments, translated very clearly, is that he was not whole. He was sweating blood. He was stressed out. He was, he was in his moment of pressure. And in that moment, during his pandemic, during his issue-ridden moment, he reached out and he healed someone. The reason that he did that, don't, don't miss this, the reason that he did that in that moment is he reveals to us that when we heal people in our crisis garden moments, it actually helps us in our crisis garden moments. Have you ever noticed that when you can get your eyes off of you for that moment and reach out and help someone, maybe even when you're stressed, you feel better? Jesus knew that. Jesus was modeling it for us. He was saying, you, you got an opportunity right now. Some of us right now, we're looking at this, this world that COVID-19 has given us. We're looking at this world where it's been tossed upside down. And things aren't what they should be. And it's caused you to have more issues than you ever thought possible. You could be looking at it as an obstacle keeping you from helping others. And Jesus shows you that actually this is your time to shine. Come on, church. If, you're, if you love Jesus and you believe in Christ, we model our life after him. Christians, we, 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 we model our lives after Christ. He showed us this is our time to shine. So what's a, what's a healing moment that you can have? What's a healing type faith moment you can have? Let me, let me just make, give you a couple of examples. It could be that this week, you find someone who is at the at-risk condition who shouldn't be out in the public and may, might hurt them or might put them at risk. And you know what we could do? You should do yourself a favor. Go find them and get them some groceries. Shop for them and help them out. Help heal them. And you're like, well, pastor, you don't understand. I need some healing. I need some help. I'm just telling you, Jesus modeled this. He says, if you want your miracle, there could, it could be on the other side of you helping someone else. It could be you making a simple phone call to someone who's in need. Maybe they're you won't realize how lonely people are right now. Even if you feel like you're really connected, there's a lot of people who aren't on the internet. There's a lot of people who aren't on social media. There's a lot of people that even when they are, the only thing that they're hearing is that people are isolated and things aren't going to go good and things are going to get worse and what's going to happen when we hit the top of the curve. I mean, like everybody's freaked out. You could have a healing moment with someone just by picking up the phone and making a phone call. Could be to your family, could be to your friends. Do something for someone else and see what happens to you in the process. This is our time, church. This is our time. This is our time to be strong. This is our time to stand up. This is our time to model after Jesus. This is our time to not sit back and, and kind of cower down and, and hope and wish and just, you know, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And no, this is our time. Every, look, all throughout history, every major issue that happened in the world, it was the church's time to shine. So my encouragement to you, wherever you are in the world watching this right now, this is your moment. This is your time to stand up, be strong, put your shoulders back, and walk forward and go out and heal someone today. Now, we've looked over the last four weeks. We talked about, again, the idea of collective faith, the idea of submitted faith, the idea of unshakable faith. And today, we talked about this idea of healing faith. And, and it's the type of faith that Jesus had in his garden that led us to Sunday, Easter morning. Isn't that interesting? Easter morning, what we're celebrating today. And I was sitting with my son Titus. We were, uh, we were taking communion together on Friday as a family and on Good Friday 
And we were talking about what Easter meant. And Titus had a, an, a great question that I'm not sure some of us even ask ourselves. He said, Dad, what, what is, why do we celebrate Easter? Why do we celebrate Easter every year? Why do we celebrate the resurrected King? Why do we celebrate Resurrection Sunday? And I said, son, that's a good, that's a good question. You have to ask yourself that question as well. If you think about it, have, have you, if you grew up in Christianity or maybe you grew up religious, maybe grandma or grandpa brought you to church, maybe mom and dad did, and you were, you were kind of riding their faith walk as you were younger. And so you might be used to the idea that, that, that there's, there's, a, there's a, 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 a reason we should celebrate Easter, but you don't know in your heart why you should celebrate, why we even celebrate Resurrection Sunday. And I answered him with this story. I actually shared with him what I talked about this week. I, I shared with him my notes about this story. Because if you go back and look at this interaction, this last miracle of Jesus that was performed with Peter, you'll see that it actually foreshadows the, the, the Easter moment that was to come. It was an interesting, uh, uh, if you go back and you read it, and I watched, walked him through it, and I want to show you that the final miracle of Jesus does this very, very uniquely. I'm going to show this to you, and it's in Matthew chapter 26, verse 50, and it says this, and it says, and one of them struck the servant with the high priest and cut off his right ear. We're going to come back to that, and then the next verse, it says, but Jesus said no more of this, and he touched his ear, and he healed him. Now, if you read that quick, and you just bypassed, and you didn't know what that meant, you missed a couple of things. Two things stand out in this story. The first one is this, is that when Jesus healed the servant of the high priest's ear, it actually, he actually gave him his dreams back. The servant got his dreams back. Now, you don't know this, but the servant of the high priest in that time would have been kind of an intern for the priest. He would have been the guy who was the official for the, the, the dignitary that was around. He came to make sure that the high priest wanted to make sure Jesus was getting arrested, and he was his representative. He would have had hopes and dreams to become a priest one day. He, he was serving the man that he was hoped to be one day. He was trying to, he had dreams and aspirations, and what you need to know about first century Hebrew culture is that you don't make that decision when you're 35 or you're 40 or you just kind of figured it out one day and you just felt like I want to be a priest. It starts from when you're a kid and you learn to be a rabbi and a priest from the right from early early age and you got to go through a lot of schooling and a lot of training. This man had dreams his whole life to get the title priest. The problem what happened when Peter actually cut off his ear is now, according to Levitical temple law, it actually would keep him from becoming a priest because there was a part of the law that said in order for you to become a priest, you couldn't have any part of your body maimed. When your ear gets cut off, that's a maim. That's an issue. And so when Peter cut off his ear, he didn't just cut off his ear, he cut off his dreams. And so when Jesus, here's what you need to know. Again, we're talking about what's foreshadowing what Jesus was, was going to come inside of the garden. When Jesus picked up his ear and he walked and he healed his ear, he not only gave him his ear back, he gave him his dreams back. And you need to know this, that Easter Sunday is not just about Jesus giving you a piece of your prayer to him right now. He always gives you that and then some. The reason that he did that is when Jesus died and rose again, he not only, he gave us all our dreams back. He gets to give you your dreams back. You right now might be praying, God, just give me another paycheck. He doesn't want to give you another paycheck. He wants to give you that and then some. He wants to give you a career. You might be praying for your kid right now, like, Lord, just help me get him to bed. Help me teach him some schooling. Help me get him to not freak out. He doesn't 
doesn't want to just give that to you. He wants to give you legacy where that kid grows up and becomes a woman or man of, of God that they can walk out your faith as long after you're gone. Come on, Jesus always wants to give you more than you thought he did. Again, he's foreshadowing what's to come at Easter. Whatever the enemy is trying to cut off of your life, Jesus wants to give it back. And the second thing that stands out to me as you read this story is that Peter got his life back. Peter got his life back. I want to set the setting. Think about this. You're in a garden with Jesus, and you're his closest confidant. You're there to protect him. You're there to be with him. People come to arrest Jesus. And in that moment, in a moment of anger, in a moment of rage, in a moment of maybe just misunderstanding, Peter takes out a sword and and does the unthinkable, he, he attacks another person and cuts off his ear. In that moment, Peter was caught. In that moment, there was no debate on what had happened. Peter did something wrong. Peter was caught red-handed. Peter, not only... A, there was, there was not only Peter who did it, there were people who saw it, so there were witnesses. And, oh yeah, there's evidence, because now there's an ear laying on the ground. He's caught red-handed. He's guilty. Peter's guilty. And you could not attack a representative of a dignitary in that time and not lose your life. you, you got to understand the gravity of what happened. So Jesus does what only Jesus can do. He enters into the story. While he's guilty, while he's red-handed, he's caught. There is no debate. He has done something wrong. Jesus walks up to the ear. He picks it up. And when he healed the servants of the high priest, he gave Peter his life back. He, he literally, maybe the best way to say it, is that he erased the evidence that made him guilty. So what does that mean for us on Easter? Why do we celebrate Easter? Is that when Jesus died and rose again, he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He erased, come on, he erased our guilt. He erased our shame. He erased the evidence that made us guilty. We are guilty. But Jesus goes to the cross, and the reason that we celebrate it is because he could do what for us, what we could not do for ourselves. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a unique thing that comes from our creator. I'm going to close with this thought on Easter weekend. I remember a story a couple of years back. My wife and I went to the store, and I did a little honey-do list and she had to, uh, she needed to get me, uh, we needed to get some groceries from our, from our local grocery store. So I grabbed my son, Riley, and I picked him up and I said, hey, bud, let's go to the grocery store. We'll get your mom some food. She had some items she needed. We go to the grocery store and we go down the aisle for bread. And you can see the aisle for bread as, you know, happens in the kind of the grocery store. He runs up and I say, go get that piece of that loaf of bread. And he pulls out the bread and it's interesting how, how he, he grabbed it. Most kids, I don't know if you ever do this with your kids, but if you let them grab the bread, they never grab it like this, you know. Uh, my son grabbed it by the end, you know, and he started doing what all kids do. He just started swinging it, you know. He started swinging it down the aisle. And before you knew it, 
He swung it so hard. Before I could tell him not to, the bread flew down the aisle right in front of a cart. The cart runs over the bread before it could stop. The person pushing the cart steps on the bread multiple times before they could figure it out. And everybody kind of gasps in the aisle, you know, because that's the cardinal sin, isn't it? With bread, the cardinal sin is don't smash the bread. Now, why is that? Because we know once you smash it, there's no going back. My son didn't know that. So he runs up and he picks up the bread. And this is what it looked like. It looked smashed. It looked like it was stepped on. It looked like it was rolled over. It did not look like we could use it again. And he's so sweet. He walks up to me because he didn't know. He said, Dad, I'll fix it. And you know what he started to do? He started to kind of pull it apart. Have you ever tried to pull apart smashed bread? Come on. It, it, it doesn't work. And I said, son, that, that's not going to work, buddy. We're going to need a new loaf of bread. Take that. And just as I said that, there was a employee for the store. I said, just go let them know what happened and give that to them. He walked up to the employee, handed the bread to the employee, and the employee handed them, what did he do? He handed him a brand new loaf of bread. Now, why do I tell you that story? Our life, in so many ways, starts out fresh and brand new. You and I start out fresh and brand new. We're, when we're younger, we have dreams and hopes, and we haven't gone through a lot of life yet. We haven't been smashed. We haven't been rolled over. We haven't been mangled. We start out like this, and then sin enters into the story. And you and I all fall short of God's glory. We sin. We have pride issues. We have fear issues. We have jealousy and envy and greed and our life goes from a fresh loaf to a smashed loaf honestly we get ran over a lot could be you right now and there's some of us in this world what we do is we're, we're told by self-help gurus we're told by people who have good intentions to just work on your life and if you just fix it you just try to fluff it back out and have you ever tried it before you realize the more you pull on it the more you try to fix it, the more you try to make it right, the more you try to mess with your life, it, it, it doesn't work. It, it, it doesn't, it's too far gone. There's, there's no revitalizing, there's no saving, there's no renewing in our own hands. But I like what that clerk did. He, he knew that. He grabbed a new loaf I said, here you go, buddy. When Jesus died on the cross, the reason we celebrate Easter, the reason that we worship Jesus is he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And our life in our own hands is a messed up, mangled mess. And when you bring it to Jesus, he does what that clerk did. He, he, he hands you a new life. Not a revitalized life, not a, a life that just kind of, you know, looks a little different. Not like a life that where he kind of takes out some of the bad pieces. No, no, he hands you a whole new life. And now we get to celebrate Easter weekend, Easter Mon Sunday morning. We, we get to celebrate Resurrection Day. The reason we celebrate it is because he did for us what he, we could not do for ourselves. So that's my encouragement to you today.
Maybe you're in here watching right now. And you're, you're, you're maybe the first kind of a person where you're, you're stuck trying to fix your life before you come to Jesus. You're stuck trying to piece it all together so that you can present it to him. Can I tell you right now, all you need to do is bring your life to him. He'll give you a new one. He'll hand you something that you never thought possible. He'll hand you the miracle of Easter from his hands, not yours. The beauty of Sunday morning is found in really what I believe, Jesus dying not for one, but for all. I like what scripture says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. It says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for, I like this, for many, for all, for everyone. So guess what? You don't have to have your life all together. If you have a mangled mess of a life, bring it to Jesus. He'll give you a new one. You don't have to, you don't have to be a Christian to follow Jesus. You, go, you come to Jesus just as you are, and guess what he does? He lived a life that you couldn't live. He died a death that you couldn't live. He did all the things that you couldn't do so that you and I could have freedom in Jesus today. We celebrate. We have a hope. We sang about that today. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. I want to invite you into that moment with him. Because what I've noticed about trying to put my life back together doesn't work so well. Give your life to Jesus, and he will do it.